The Bar Star Podcast is a show full of stories, opinions, and sarcasm. Hosted by a working musician based in Louisville, Kentucky. Wait a second. This guy knows he's a drummer, right? Not an actual musician? Why would anybody want to... Never mind. To another episode of the Bar Star Podcast. I am your host, Stephen O'Reilly. I want to thank you guys for coming back and hanging out with me, and I want to thank you for downloading this episode because I notice a lot of you don't download my solo episodes as much. What the hell's wrong with you people? You, just, you don't like me? You just like who I have hanging out with me? Whatever, if I had a feeling it would hurt. I'm just kidding. Thanks for checking out the show and for continuing your support. I appreciate it. I hope everybody is doing well. I hope everybody had a good week. And as always, I hope you guys went out and did some shit. As you've already figured out, I don't have anybody in here hanging out with me. So today, first time in a long time, I am flying solo. So I wanted to do a solo show today because I got some stuff that I just wanted to ramble off and I've got some questions. Uh, some people have been sending me some questions and I, I tend to get the same three or four questions over and over. Uh, and I haven't talked about the book much lately. So that's basically what this episode's going to be. Uh, it's probably not going to be that long, but well, who knows? I just started talking. God knows what I'll come up with by the end of this thing. One of the first things I wanted to do is kind of catch you guys up on the book. Uh, there is no news right now because I am in a new or the latest round of edits. Um, I'm doing another round of edits to try and make it as good as I possibly can before I start resubmitting it uh, to agents to try and get down that publishing road. Uh, it's not lying dormant. I work on it at least three to five times a week. Uh, editing sucks. Editing sucks. Editing fucking sucks. But I did want to do something that I think might be kind of cool. Some of you may dig, some of you may not. So just bear with me for a second. I am actually going to read the intro of my book, the actual first page, uh, and see what you guys think about it. And you guys can give me some feedback. Uh, and if you love it, that's awesome. Let me know. And if you hate it, don't, don't tell me because I don't want to know. But this is how the book opens. kind of ties into how I got the, uh, the name of the actual show and the name of the book and all that kind of shit. It's... It all kind of makes sense. It's, it's kind of cool. I think it's cool. <clears throat> Let me try my reading voice. <clears throat> me, me, me. <clears throat> Literally. Oh, wait. No, that's wrong. No, that's wrong, too. Yeah, fuck it. Here we go. 3.30 a.m. Sunday morning, Labor Day weekend in a southern Indiana casino loading area under the main parking garage right next to the sweet stench of five huge dumpsters. Why in the blue hell do I keep doing this? I don't think I want to do this anymore. I say aloud to my steering wheel, having just thrown, I mean loaded, my drums into my car. I sit and stare at all the concrete posts that hold the casino structure in place while people above are blowing money on games they're never going to win. But hey, their kids can go to a cheaper college, so why not? That's a rude way to think about strangers as I pull out of the loading area to make the 45-minute trip home to Louisville, but my mood is beyond sour, so everything annoys me. My band just finished playing a rough gig in a new swanky bar inside the casino. It's too loud. Can you turn down? 
Why are those drums so loud? Uh, because they're drums? I said to myself with smug sarcasm while picturing drumsticks being hurled at their heads. Those are the kinds of things I heard on stage from behind the five-foot plexiglass sound shield in front of my drums, a.k.a. the monkey cage. I can hit my drums softer, sure, no problem, but after more than 25 years of playing, there's only so low one can play before it becomes pointless. Besides, real drums don't have a volume knob like many people seem to think. If one hits a well-tuned drum with any amount of accuracy, like I do, they will be slightly loud. If one hires a live band for a weekend's entertainment, there are certain expectations and one of those is volume. How loud a band is varies depending on the band hired, number of musicians, and so on, but my band is a five-piece pop cover band. Really? Pop is too loud? It's not like we're playing ear-splitting metal. Not that there's anything wrong with that. As a point of reference for the small minority that may not know, a cover band is a band that plays other artists' music for money, or as many young up-and-coming self-proclaimed musicians call us, sellouts. Back in the 40s and 50s, they were called society bands, which I find to be a fitting name as they were only hired by high society or wealthy people for entertainment. It also shows that cover bands have been around for a long time. If you hear a song on the radio, TV, retail store, or on YouTube that you like, chances are there is a band in your area that has that song in their set list. Musicians can earn a nice living playing in cover bands and working the scene or circuit, hence the term, working musicians. Bars and clubs can hire these bands for a cheaper rate than the real deal, yet still have patrons in the place to spend money. The bars make money, the bands make money, and the people who come to see the show can forget about their stressful lives for a few hours and have some fun on a weekend night. There are tens of thousands of guys and girls that are working musicians all over the country as well as all over the world who earn most, if not all, of their living by playing live music in cover bands. Even though many of us outside our own areas don't know each other, we're all pretty much the same. We all have stories of struggles we've had climbing the ladder to start a Wait, wrong book. There are hundreds of stories of people that never made it big, whether they're musicians, actors, entrepreneurs, or whatever, but are just as successful as anyone that may have fame, fortune, or be in the public eye. It seems that those stories aren't popular for whatever reason, which confuses me a little because people love a good underdog story that ends in triumph. Most of us working musicians have done a gig, or 12, like the one described above, but the following stories revolve mostly around me. A journey that parallels many famous musicians, yet the world as a whole doesn't know I exist. I am a drummer. I am slightly arrogant. Really arrogant to some. I am a pseudo-businessman. I am a music lover. Above all else, I'm just a bar star. So that's the intro to my book. That is, uh, I wrote that probably, I guess now it's been about three years, but I wrote it about a year before I actually started writing the book. Most of you in the Louisville area know the casino I'm talking about. Uh, and the venue I'm talking about is Smoke and Riot. It used to be Legends. Uh, Legends was kind of old and dirty and kind of musty, and I actually dug it because um, it had that, it kind of had a vibe. And then they changed it to Smoke and Riot, and it got all swanky, and nobody really goes there anymore. Um, at least I don't see big crowds there. But the point is, the band went through all that shit when we had our uh, one of our gigs there on Labor Day weekend, and I, I just, when I got done, I just felt like garbage. I just was like, why the fuck do I keep doing this? 
I, do I really want to keep doing this? The answer is, of course, I want to keep doing it. I, I love playing music. I love playing drums. All the other bullshit that goes with it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. You take the good with the bad. So I wrote that uh, probably, I think I wrote it the next morning uh, after talking to Stacy. Kind of told her how the night went. It was a shitty night. It was the first time in there since they changed it from Legends to Smoking Rye. And I, I, I sat down. She went to work the next day, and I, I sat down at my computer. And Actually, I, I, that's a lie. Just told a lie on my own show. I sat down with a pencil and paper. I actually wrote that longhand. Um, but I just wrote it down because it's kind of how I felt. I know that's cheesy and lame, and I've edited it. I can't say that word. I can't say the past tense of edit, so I always put 27 EDs on it. I edited it at least 20 times, and then I put it away. I didn't look at it. I didn't think about it, but I've always wanted to write a book, and I thought to myself, nobody's going to give a shit about some drummer who's lived in a bunch of different states and who hasn't done anything of note. I'm not famous. I don't, I'm not rich. I don't have a bunch of power and influence and all that garbage. I'm not even that great of a drummer. I'm good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not selling myself short, but I'm not amazing. I'm good. But then the more I thought about it, I went, well, there's probably thousands of fucking people like me that are really good, above average, but for whatever reason, just haven't got to that level or haven't broke through that level or broke through to that level or haven't achieved any of their goals or dreams or haven't had any success. And then I started thinking, well, what is success? And I covered all that in my very first episode, so I'm not going to rehash that here. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back in the archives. You can find it. It's called episode one. But once I started thinking about all that, I decided that, you know what, I, I have kind of a interesting story, and, and some people will dig it. The book never gets published, so be it. I wrote a damn book, and that's pretty much all that matters. I finished it. I still have to edit it again. Damn it, it's editing shit. Write a book, they said. It'll fucking be fun, they said. Um, but seriously, I uh, I wanted to write it. I wanted to tell my story, and once I got done with it, I, I just thought, well, shit, I've got a bunch of really cool friends that have really amazing stories as well. And then out of that came the podcast, which, of course, most of you know, and I think I've talked about it on the show already, most of you know that I, Ryan Murphy and I were going to start the podcast together, and he just couldn't get his shit together, hashtag RMD. I'm just kidding. He's just too busy. Uh, technically, I'm actually kind of too busy too, but... I do have a little bit more time than him because I do not have small children. I have two cats that act like small children, but that they're assholes. That's what that's their job. They're cats, and they're awesome. But that's pretty much the the short version of of how the book came to be, um, and how it all started. It started from a shitty gig at Smoke and Rye. Some of my close musician friends that have played Smoke and Rye in the past couple of years, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So that's the uh, that's the update on the book. That's what's going on. And uh, I'm still chipping away at it. I'm still working on it. And uh, it will get published eventually. Now, on to a couple questions that I get repeatedly. I've gotten a few questions in my email, uh, which is barstarpodcast at gmail. I haven't gotten enough to do a whole bonus show. You guys are slacking. You need to fix that. But I have gotten a few. And I keep getting... I seem to get three questions more than any of the other ones. I've probably gotten, I don't know, a couple hundred, whatever it is, 50, 12, 2, 
Who knows? Uh, but I have gotten the same three questions a few times. Um, and one of them is somebody asked me to ask me more about The Legend of 1900, uh, which was a movie I referenced in my very first episode. The Legend of 1900 is a really cool movie. I think it was a, it might have even been a straight to DVD movie. I'm not sure if it was in theaters or not, but that is irrelevant. Uh, the, the plot of the movie is there's a baby that's born on a ship in the in 1900 the year 1900 and he grows up to be the most phenomenal jazz musician that ever lived but never walked on dry land Uh, that's pretty much the gist of the story he never left the boat Uh, but it's a really really cool movie if you're into music at all uh, i really suggest checking it out tim roth uh, plays the the adult version of the baby that was born on the ship um, the jazz musician really really cool movie uh, some cool lines in it. In fact, one of the lines is, uh, it's actually quoted at the beginning of my book. You're never really done for as long as you've got a good story and someone to tell it to. Uh, and I think the, I said that in the first episode, it's Andrew Barrow Pepperoni, some fucking Italian name I can't pronounce. Uh, that's who really said it, but I got the, the quote from the movie. But I do suggest checking it out. You can pretty sure you can find it on Amazon Prime or Netflix or Hulu or Hooflix or iWatchMovies.net org, what the hell ever. There's so many streamings, I can't even keep up with all that shit. Uh, but that is the, the answer to that question. That's what that movie is, uh, It's and that's what it's about. It's about a jazz musician that never walked on dry land. Uh, really cool movie. Another question I've gotten lately is, who are some of my biggest influences? Um, and nobody really gives a shit about this. So I will just say that the person that influenced me to become a drummer is Tommy Lee. If it wasn't for Tommy Lee, I probably wouldn't be a drummer. Um, as far as who influences me now, the list is entirely too long. Uh, I mean, I get influenced by famous people, non-famous people. I get influenced by my wife. Stacy's an ass-kicking woman, and I adore her, and she never ceases to amaze me. So... Uh, who influences me and what are my influences or that question is just too damn broad and I'm not going to bore you guys with those details but I will tell you Tommy Lee is the reason that I play drums Uh, Mike Portnoy kind of molded my early playing probably in the mid 90s Uh, he's the drummer for Dream Theater well used to be the drummer for Dream Theater Uh, he was really influential to me when I was figuring out drums and all that kind of stuff but I've even been influenced by people I've played with. So the list is entirely too long, but I'll just give you those two main influences, Tommy Lee and Mike Portnoy. And, and if you really want to know, we'll, we'll go have coffee and have a conversation about it. Last question I get a lot is dressing well, which is kind of weird. I, I guess because of my first episode, I talked about bands that look like shit on stage and all this kind of stuff. And Everybody knows by now, well, everybody in Louisville knows that gas money, we we wear vests and ties and chucks and all that bullshit, and we always try to look good on stage and all that stuff. But the question I get is, where do I get my clothes? I will repeat that. Where do I get my clothes? Um, Guys, go shopping. It's not fucking hard. (laughs) It's really not. Uh, And I do it on a budget. I don't pay full price for anything. Uh, I go to Ross, TJ Maxx. Marshall's uh, Macy's clearance rack, believe it or not. I get a lot of shit from Macy's clearance rack. 
uh, Coles, they're clearing track. Yeah, you got to be selective and pick out your own style and stuff, but you don't have to spend a shit ton of money and you don't have to go to crazy stores. I mean, I've gotten some cool stuff from Goodwill. There's a, a really cool consignment shop on Frankfurt Avenue. I can't remember the name of it right now. They've got some cool shit. You just got to look around. You just got to make an effort. And that's kind of my answer to that question. Make an effort. If you want to dress different, dress different. If you don't, don't. I don't really care. But that question does has come up a lot. And so there you go. I answered it. Now, I do have a little story that I found amusing that I want to share with you guys real quick. And then I'm going to move on to some other shit and get the fuck out of here so I don't take up too much of your time this week. I had a student say to me a couple weeks ago, we were talking about, I was trying to teach him the fundamentals of how to learn songs and things like that. Uh, I don't spoon feed my students anything, but this kid looked at me and and he said, why don't, I just don't get it because playing drums isn't hard. And I really wanted to throat punch him. Obviously, I would never do that. And he is above 18, by the way, so don't think I'm throat punching five-year-olds because that's fucked up but it just i kind of floored it's like what do you mean playing drums is not hard that's the dumbest shit i've ever heard and then i thought about it and he actually has a point playing drums is not hard you're hitting round things with sticks it's not hard playing drums well playing drums musically and playing drums that are pleasing to the ear that shit's hard. So I kind of met him halfway and I got what he was saying. Uh, But being a good drummer, that is actually really hard and it requires a lot of listening. The reason I'm telling you this story is because it got me thinking about hard work. Hard work is hard. That's actually one of the chapters of my book, ironically. Um, I think somewhere along the way, a lot of us, including myself, have forgotten how to work hard how to get after something, how to achieve something, how to figure something out. Like this with with me doing this podcast. I talked about it with Scott Clark. Figuring this shit out for me was a motherfucker. There's no other way to say it. It was so damn hard. But you know what? I figured it out. Am I great at it? Nope. I'm pretty good at it though. Not great, but I'm pretty good. And I get better and I learn new tricks every time I sit in front of this mic or do some editing or listen to other podcasts. I learn stuff all the time. The point I'm getting at is I'm constantly learning. I try to learn new things and I try to understand new techniques of whatever it is, whether it's playing drums or recording a podcast or writing a book or even communicating with friends because sometimes I come off douchey. I'm aware you guys do not need to tell me. I know. Trust me, I know. I'm sorry. But the point is, hard work is hard. That's why it's called hard work. If it was fun and easy, that wouldn't be called work, first of all, and it definitely wouldn't be called hard work. So go do some hard work. I say it every episode. Go do some shit. So let's move on to social media issues. I was having a conversation the other day with a friend of mine and we were talking about how people get all, uh, I guess, butthurt is the greatest way to say it. Um, They get all butthurt when you don't respond to their posts or you don't 
like or love or comment on their posts or whatever. And I'm not talking just about Facebook. I mean Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snap, Fuck Chat, whatever. Which I don't have a Snapchat. I don't, that's too much. And I find it interesting, and I'm speaking strictly on Facebook for right now. I find it interesting that people get butt hurt. Um, I don't know if you guys know, if you've noticed, if you pay attention. Facebook algorithms have changed. A lot of times, you don't see posts. I don't see posts. People don't see posts of mine. I have friends, friends that I would call good friends, that we've been friends for a few years. I've been doing this podcast since January. It's June. They didn't know I had a podcast. Now, I'm not saying that I'm special and you should know I have a podcast and my feelings are hurt. Oh my God. I'm not saying that at all. But I usually promote it on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter in that order. But a lot of people don't know that I have a podcast because some of those people are not. Sorry. A lot of those people don't have Instagram or Twitter. And then some of them just don't see the post because of the algorithm change in Facebook. Here's a tip. If you don't keep up with somebody's page, in other words, if you don't go to the Barstar page and like it, if you don't go to the Barstar page and interact with it, send me a comment. See how I'm doing this psychological shameless plugs? Pretty fucking cool, isn't it? Uh, you won't see posts from it. If you don't follow your favorite band's page or if you don't like some of their posts or keep up with it, you won't see their posts. The reason is Facebook has decided for you that you're not interacting with them enough, therefore they just you don't see their posts. They don't come up on your wall. That's why. Stop getting butt hurt. It has to do with Facebook, not anybody in particular. I love most of my friends. I'm just kidding. I love all of you fuckers. But if you post 14 pictures of what you're shoving in your face in terms of food, I'm not liking any of those pictures. I'm not going to click the like button. I'm not going to click any button. I'm going to scroll right past it. Eventually, Facebook takes it upon itself to not show me your profile anymore on my wall. That's why I miss certain things. Vice versa for you. If you don't want to hear about where I'm playing, or you don't want to hear about this show, or you don't want to hear about some drum shit, and you don't like or click on any of my posts or comment on anything, eventually Facebook is going to decide that you don't need to see those posts anymore. Therefore, you don't see them. That's it. It's pretty simple. Interact with the pages you want to interact with and interact with the pages and people that you want to keep up with, and you'll see their shit. Pretty simple. Stop getting so damn butthurt. So let's move on to stories from the stage. I got a pretty interesting story. Um, well, I think it's interesting just because it involves me and it's, it's funny. I wrote about this in the book. Back in 2000, 2001, 2002, somewhere in there, I don't remember, uh, I was living in Columbia, South Carolina, and I was in a band called Maywater. Uh, we were probably 75% original, 25% covers. We had a pretty decent following, but we had a huge following at the Citadel in Charleston. Citadel is a military college base. I think that's what it's called. 
I know it's a co- I know it's a military college, and I think they have a base. Anyway, they had this show uh, that they used to put on, and they may still do it. I'm not sure. But every summer, they had a show called The Dog Days of Summer. And they basically put it on for the school. A uh, few thousand kids show up, college guys, mostly military, and they would just get hammered and throw a big party in the field. It was awesome. So they wanted us to play one year, and we would be direct support for Cowboy Mouth. Some of you may remember Cowboy Mouth. Some of you may not. Uh, they had a, a pretty big hit with a song called uh, Janie Says, kind of, I guess late 90s, something like that. And their shtick is they're a three-piece band, and the drummer is the lead singer. He plays a very small four-piece kit, uh, and he sits his drums up front in the middle of the stage, and he plays drums and sings. Great band. I don't have any issues with them, so let me clarify that right now before I get into this story. They're a great band. They were great people. None of that was a problem. Most of you have seen my pictures of my rig by now, or any of the rigs that I play, and they're all kind of the same. They're not, I don't, I wouldn't say my rigs are huge, but they're not small either, probably medium size. But at that time, I had a rack system, which basically everything was mounted on a rack. Uh, all my toms and cymbals were mounted on a rack. So you just, you get a couple guys who pick the rack up, and 75% of my rig was off the stage. Come back and get the kick, the pedals, and all that shit, and you're done. So I could load off of stage, well, if I, pre-set it up I could load on stage in about 10 minutes and I could load off stage in about 5 minutes really really cool for that Uh, sucked for everything else it was big and bulky and I hated it and I finally got rid of it but at the time I was playing a rack so we're setting up Cowboy Mouth had already done their sound check and we're setting up and Cowboy Mouth's tour manager comes up to me and shitty British accent I don't even think the guy was really British I think he was faking it Kind of like I do with my literally. Totally think he was faking it. Anyway, he comes up and super nice guy. And he comes up and he says, hey, uh, just want you to know as soon as you're done with, with uh, your set, you need to get off stage immediately. I'm like, okay, no problem. We got that. We're the opener. Everybody's here to see Cowboy Mouth. We get it. And he said, no, I don't think you understand. You need to get off stage immediately. And I said, no, dude, I, I get it. We've This is not our first rodeo. We've played shows before. We'll be off stage. So he goes away and we do our sound check and we get done. Everything sounds good. And it's probably an hour before showtime, whatever it is. So we're chilling out and just doing our thing, hanging and waiting for showtime. So probably five minutes before we're getting ready to go on, Mr. Tour Manager guy comes up and he goes, I just want to remind you, you've got to be off stage immediately after you're done. It's kind of one of those voices. So you can use that for the rest while I'm telling this story because I can't do that for that long. I'll probably choke or something. So he goes on and harps about immediately. And I finally said, dude, I got it. Okay? I got it. Well, your your drum kit's fucking huge and you need to get it off because we got to get Fred's rig up front. Mind you, Fred's drums are on a rolling riser. So all they have to do is unlock four wheels, roll it in place, lock the wheels, they're done. Literally... Four minutes tops. Keep in mind, it's going to take me five minutes, maybe six, but more than likely five minutes to get off stage. I'm going to call him Dickface because the guy was a dick. He comes up and he starts to shit. You've got to be off stage. And I was like, dude, I get it. I fucking get it. Okay? And I snapped. 
and I just basically told him to fuck off. I didn't give a shit who he was or who he worked for. This was not our first rodeo. We would be off stage in plenty of time, and he needed to calm down. So he proceeds to step to me and get in my face, probably three, four inches from my nose, and he starts screaming at me. It's really weird, though, now that I think about it. He might have been British because his his breath did kind of smell like tea. I'm lying. I made that up. So he gets in my face, and he starts screaming at me about... I don't know what seemed like a heartbeat later. I start cackling like a fucking hyena because I had looked over his shoulder and the four guys in my band were standing directly behind him with their arms crossed, just waiting for him to do something stupid. So as I start cackling like a hyena, he gets even more pissed off and I just kind of do one of those gestures where you you crane your head to one side really dramatically and you just kind of point And as I did that, he turned around and he realized that there was four of them behind him and then me on the other side of him. So he was surrounded. And about this time, we happened to notice that there was probably 10 or 15 dudes from the Citadel that were really close friends slash fans slash supporters slash followers of the band that were walking up the backstage area. They were obviously not there to handle me. So he proceeded to back down, mumbled something under his breath, and then walked off stage. This dude was such a dick that even Cowboy Mouth's crew came over to us and went, Dude, we're so sorry, man. This is his last couple shows with us. He's such a fucking douchebag. He causes us trouble everywhere we go, blah, yada, yada. We were like, man, it's fine. It's no big deal. We'll be off stage in plenty of time for you guys to do your thing. So... We do the show. show went off great. show was amazing. The guys at Citadel were awesome. band played great. And when we got done, some of the Citadel crew came up and helped us get our shit off stage. And I, guys, I'm not bullshitting you. We were off of that stage in under five minutes. So as they're setting up Cowboy Mouse stuff, tour manager's on stage, and he's fiddle-farting, fucking around with Fred's drums. I don't know what he's doing. And he's he's bent over, and I walk over to him, and I, I poke him on the kind of tap him on the shoulder real hard and he stands up and I, mind you I'm we're standing on stage in front of I don't know 2,000 people something like that and he stands up and he whips around and as he does I make the biggest giant dramatic double fisted two fingered double bird in his face that I could ever do and I just looked at him and I said fuck you dude and the crowd went wild I'm just kidding the crowd didn't go wild I made that part up The reason I think that 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 was funny is because if you listen to the episode where I talked about the fuel incident I had, it always seems like the people that work for the bands are way bigger dickheads than the people in the bands. So that's the biggest reason why I shared that story. I thought it was funny because dude was going to get his ass kicked by a bunch of musicians and about 15 or 20 military college guys. It would not have been a good fucking day for that dude. But he was making a big deal about nothing. Dude, we get it. We're not the headliner. We'll be off stage. Calm down. Everything's going to be fine. Typical tour manager. He had to flex his weight around and show me who's boss. And did to did. Man, motherfucker. Fuck all that noise. You got a job to do. Manage the tour. Hmm. Tour manager. Manage the tour. 
okay some of y'all didn't get that manage the fucking door so let's move on to what am I listening to I don't have anything specific that I'm listening to, but I wanted to throw something at you guys, maybe kind of a challenge, uh, mostly to my musician friends. Some of you guys are going to think I'm nuts, but I don't care. Uh, Rhapsody has what's called the Smooth Jazz Channel. I'm sure most iTunes and Spotify and most other streaming services are going to have something like that. Rhapsody has one that is called Smooth Jazz. It's on their unradio section. Uh, So if you have Rhapsody, go check it out. But I dig it because I'm starting to discover a bunch of artists, none that I can name right now off the top of my head. I have most of them written down. But I'm starting to discover a bunch of artists that are in the smooth jazz genre, but I th- I would call it more funk with horns, honestly. Um, it's just real cool. It, a lot of it, I guess a lot of the newer stuff that I'm finding has a real cool throwback vibe with modern production, two or three horns, not just a sax, but two or three horns, badass rhythm section. I mean, the drummers and the bass players on this stuff is just sick. They're killing it. So I I just wanted to throw some smooth jazz at you. Nobody in particular, but just go check it out. It just, it happens to calm me down. um, And I just really dig the vibe that it puts off when I'm listening to it. And I tend not to listen to it very loud. Ironically, I actually don't listen to a lot of music loud. People are kind of shocked when I tell them that. But I've been playing drums for 30 years, man. I don't need to hear loud shit. It's fucking ridiculous. But the entire time I was writing my book, I always had smooth jazz playing in the background. Kind of quiet, uh, so I could hear it, but just just loud enough that I could barely hear it. But I, I just wanted to throw that out. You go Go check out some smooth jazz and... Don't try to study it and all that kind of stuff because I don't, it's not really, from my point of view, it's not really the the studying kind of thing. It's one of those you just put it on and you just kind of, you just kind of chill to it and you just kind of, you pay attention to it just enough to know that it's there and it just, it seems almost calming. It's kind of weird. Now, before I get out of here, I have a new section that I think that I'm going to have every week. But you guys are going to have to tell me if you want me to keep this or not. It's really, really short. And I call it Mr. Shitlip. All right, Mr. Shitlip, here we go. The Mr. Shitlip is going to be a segment about the dumbest shit we've heard all week. We all hear some dumb shit, whether it's in person, on the phone, social media, in an email, carrier pigeon, doesn't matter. People say dumb shit. People are... Listen, I'm not saying I'm a genius, but I think people are getting more stupid by the day. Including me. I'll totally throw myself under the bus. I say some dumb shit all the time. But I think this section is going to be kind of cool, or you guys are going to hate it. But this week, the stupidest thing I've heard is this dude asked me in that quote, Hey, man. Uh... Do you shine your head? I will repeat that. He asked me if I shine my head. I didn't... I I had nothing. Why the fuck would I shine my head? Yeah, I broke out the turtle wax kit in the buffer. And I just went to town. What what the fuck? I, I don't get it. 
anybody that knows anything about the human bone structure, the meat on your head is the thinnest. That's right, I said meat. There's not a whole lot of meat between your skull and your skin. Anybody that's seen anybody bald over the last umpteen million fucking years, their head is shiny because the skin is tight around your head. And if you didn't know that, now you know. But no, I don't shine my fucking head. Shine your head. What the hell is wrong with people? (sighs) Well, that's it, kids. That's the show for the week. I hope you got a little bit of cool information. Had a couple questions answered. Uh, Maybe got some good chuckles out of it. If nothing else, you're here and you're hanging out with me and I was able to pass the time for a little while. I do want to thank you guys for the support and for checking everything out every week and for supporting the show. If you haven't listened to all the episodes, I encourage you to go back through the archives and check out what's there. Uh, There's some cool stuff. There's some uh, interesting folks that I've had some cool conversations with. Uh, There's a few shows like this one where I've had conversations with myself. Technically, I'm talking to you, but I'm really just talking to myself. I mean, let's be honest. Not even Sebastian's in here with me. I don't know where. Sebastian, where you at? Hey! Sebastian! Yeah, I got nothing. I don't know where he is. Uh, But seriously, you guys have been awesome. You've supported this venture, and you continue to support this venture. And I've got some cool stuff coming up. And uh, you guys have been a part of it, and you continue to be a part of it. So keep your emails coming. Keep your questions coming. Keep your comments coming. As always, thank you for your support. And as I say at the end of every episode, go do some shit. Seriously, go. Get the fuck out of here. Beat it. Go do something. It is officially summer. Weather's beautiful. It's a beautiful day today. Oh my God, it is gorgeous. It's not a cloud in the sky. I love Kentucky summer. Great. So pretty. Oh my God, it. Oh my God, it felt cute. So until next time, I will talk at you soon.